focusing on those core areas offer us tremendous opportunities to enable the patients to live healthier lives and bring down their total cost of care. Welcome to the ACO Show. Today, Josh is joined by Mike Stanzioni, Director of Medicare Advantage at Allidade. They discuss the differences between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage, some of the controversies about Medicare Advantage, and how Allidade is bringing value-based care to patients in the Medicare Advantage program. Welcome to the ACO Show. I'm Josh Israel, a Medical Director at Allidade, and I'm joined today by Mike Stanzioni. Mike is Allidade's Director of Medicare Advantage. Uh, welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks, Josh. Pleasure to be here. So we're going to talk about Medicare Advantage today. Most people have a general sense of what Medicare is. It's a system that all of us pay into over the course of our working lives. And then when we become seniors, it becomes our health insurance. Uh, it's run by the Center for Medicare Services, or CMS. That's traditional Medicare is what most people know about. And then there's Medicare Advantage. Can you explain to us what, what Medicare Advantage is? Sure. So Medicare Advantage is the private option for Medicare. So when folks become eligible for Medicare, either through aging in or due to an underlying disability, they have the option of going with traditional Medicare through CMS or going out on the private market and getting their Medicare benefits through a private insurer. In Medicare Advantage, private insurance companies essentially bundle all of the traditional Medicare benefits that a beneficiary would receive through CMS and offer those through a private insurance company. And why do we sometimes refer to one system, the traditional Medicare as fee-for-service Medicare rather than Medicare Advantage? Why, why do we say that? So a lot of that is tied to how CMS pays for it. So in traditional Medicare, as beneficiaries see their providers, Medicare pays them on a fee-for-service basis. You come in for an office visit, your doctor gets paid for that office visit. In Medicare Advantage, CMS actually pays the private plans a capitated per member per month payment. So for each beneficiary that that private insurer enrolls in Medicare Advantage, they receive a flat rate for that patient. And there's a, a, a number of factors that, that go into how that payment is derived. But instead of paying fee for service or for each individual service that the, the beneficiary receives, CMS essentially takes the money that they would have expected to pay over a month or over a year and transfers that to the private insurance company. Right now, Mike, it's about 50-50 patients in traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage. 47% in Medicare Advantage, 53% in traditional Medicare. Is mm -hmm. one growing, growing faster than the other? Yeah, I mean, Medicare Advantage has enrollment has over doubled in the past 10 years, and that continues to increase year over year, both in terms of a volume of enrollees, um, which is somewhat expected as a higher number of folks within the, the country become eligible for Medicare due to the baby boomer generation aging into eligibility, but also from a penetration perspective. So as you said, we're, we're right around in the, in the mid 40 percentile range of MA penetration today, and that's expected to be over 50% within the next five or 10 years. So we've seen dramatic growth in Medicare Advantage over the last decade. So if something is going up faster than something else, I, and it's run by private corporations, one would imagine that that's because it's more profitable. Is that right? It is profitable for the Medicare Advantage organizations and the, the entities that, that participate 
in Medicare Advantage, you've seen a pretty significant increase in the, the number of organizations who are offering MA plans, especially ramping up over the past few years. So, so it is seen as a profitable industry, but the growth from a, a membership perspective, I think also ties into some of the differences between Medicare Advantage and, and traditional Medicare benefits. And those biggest differences are, are the supplementary benefits that are offered in, in MA. So those are, you know, traditional things like, like vision and, and dental coverage. But what we're seeing, you know, more recently is a large increase in, in what I would refer to as, as non-traditional supplemental benefits. So those can be benefits like transportation assistance and, and food assistance, the plan sort of paying for the, the Uber, if you will, to get to the doctor's office, free gym memberships and offerings for you know chronic disease management programs for, for high-risk beneficiaries. And the MA plans use those quite effectively to market to patients. And that has been a significant contributor to the growth in MA in recent years. So you're saying it's growing not just because it's more profitable for the, the payers, but patients like it more because they get more stuff. Does that sound right? That's correct. Allidate started out primarily as a traditional Medicare company, but we also have been moving into Medicare Advantage. Uh, how many lives under management do we currently have in Medicare Advantage plans? So in 2021, we've got just over 100,000 MA lives under management. That's about doubled since last year. So it's an area where we have seen tremendous growth just over the past year or so. And we expect to see tremendous growth going into the future as well. So as Allidade gets more into Medicare Advantage, you know, Allidade has been very focused on patient outcomes. Where we want to make changes in the system is to have healthier patients. What's our strategy for bringing that to Medicare Advantage? Well, one of the advantages of our expansion into MA is that our sort of core approach to traditional Medicare aligns very well in Medicare Advantage. So by focusing on, on engaging patients in care, bringing them in for annual visits to engage with their primary care physicians, focusing on when patients are moving throughout the system, when they're you know, being discharged from an inpatient facility or have recently been seen in the ER, focusing on those core areas offer us tremendous opportunities to enable the patients to live healthier lives and bring down their total cost of care. Are there some particular targets within Medicare Advantage where there is spending that could be reduced without any negative effects on patients' health? Yeah, I think, you know, when you get into private insurance, we've seen sort of, you know, growth in, in spending beyond what we call Part A. So Part A in Medicare being your, your inpatient spend. And we certainly want to, you know, continue to, to engage people post-discharge to avoid readmissions. Um, hospital admissions are still your largest ticket item. But where we've seen tremendous growth in recent past is in, in Part B. So your sort of outpatient bucket of spend. And one of the things that we're going to be doing as we go into 2022 is focusing on what we're calling high value specialist utilization. So to ensure that patients are getting to the best specialists and that those specialists are working with primary care physicians to coordinate care, but continuing to allow 
the PCP to serve as that quarterback of care. So we want to make sure that, that we're not only focusing on part A and inpatient spend, um, but also looking to identify opportunities where there, there may be utilization in, in the part B bucket and specialist spend uh, that could be better served and better coordinated by primary care. Mike, in one part of the country, we are engaging with a Medicare Advantage provider uh, in a contract that we refer to as full risk Medicare Advantage. Can you explain what that is? Sure. So there's a, a few different components that, that go into our business model. Number one is our medical spend under management. So all of the money that our attributed population spends. Second component being our savings rate. How much of that money can we save? How far can, can we reduce costs while promoting good, high quality care. And then the third component is our share rate. So of that savings that we generate, how much are we able to retain and then share with our providers? As you take on more and more risk, your share rate increases. So we entered into a full risk contract for our first time at the beginning of 2021. And what that allowed us to do was increase our share rate to 100%. So now if we drive $100 in savings in that contract, we keep the, the full amount and we don't have to share a proportion of that back with the plan. So because we've been so successful in our Medicare Advantage contracts, we continue to, to push the envelope on risk. So we had our first full risk deal in, in 2021. And we're going to be entering a number of additional full risk contracts going into 2022. Why would a payer agree with that? Why would they agree to work with a company like Allidade if Allidade kept patients healthy, reduced the cost, but kept all the savings? So they, they're, they're essentially able to move all that risk off of their books. By going into a full risk arrangement um, with a, a company like Allidade, for that particular attributed population, call it 10,000 lives and you know $100 million in medical spend, the insurance company is, is able to transfer all actuarial or all financial risk off of their book and onto Allidate. Now, I'm sure you're aware that there was a recent article published in Health Affairs, co-authored by uh, Don Berwick, uh, who used to run Medicare, and it was pretty uh, harsh on Medicare Advantage, calling it the money machine. What was your take on, on that article? Yeah, it's not surprising. There's been a lot of criticism in MA due to the nature of how Medicare Advantage organizations get paid. So as I said earlier, the, the reason some call traditional Medicare fee-for-service versus MA is because in MA, the Medicare Advantage organizations receive a capitated per member per month payment from CMS. And the way that that capitated payment gets calculated is by a, a handful of different factors. So there's an underlying county benchmark rate that is set at the county level and is comparable to fee-for-service spending in that county. Then there's a bid rate where the plan comes in and, and they say, this is what we think it's going to cost us to pay for, for beneficiaries in, in this county. And then the third part that, that tends to be the most controversial part is risk adjustment. So each individual 
beneficiaries capitated per member per month payment is risk adjusted based on the acuity of the patient. An incentive has been created to capture more diagnosis codes to drive higher risk adjustment and through higher risk adjustment, drive higher revenue for the MA organization. So you're saying that they get paid more if a patient has more medical diagnoses, so there may be some incentive to diagnose more. That's correct. And, okay. and specifically to, to capture more. You've seen a lot of programs that have been stood up by players in this space, be it MA organizations or you know, some of our, our fellow travelers that, that focus very specifically on MA. And those programs, you know, at, at face value appear to be solely focused on capturing additional diagnoses for the purposes of risk adjustment and not necessarily for the purposes of driving care coordination and identifying needs for those patients. Any other criticisms in that article that, that caught your eye? Yeah, I think, you know, the other criticism of comparing spending and, and, and benchmarking between fee-for-service Medicare and MA, where providers in, in fee-for-service Medicare traditionally aren't really incentivized to capture additional diagnoses because they're paid on a fee-for-service basis. So when you sort of start looking across those two populations, one where there, there largely isn't an, an incentive, or at least a financial incentive to capture additional diagnoses versus the other where there is a very direct and real financial incentive to capture additional diagnoses is one of the additional causes of the increased cost to the taxpayer in, in Medicare Advantage. Sort of, you know, comparing a, a, a cost basis amongst the population that really isn't comparable um, when you're looking at fee-for-service Medicare versus MA. It's a good point to bring the taxpayer into it. You know, I think that can sometimes be forgotten that if one system is more expensive than another, you know, we think of the government as the payer, but the payer is us. The payer is the is the taxpayer, and it's it's spending that could be used to to go somewhere else. So good mm -hmm. to bring that in. Yeah, I think that's one of the bigger criticisms here is that while patients may like, you know, these additional benefits that, that the MA organizations are able to offer, the taxpayer is really subsidizing that. When the MA organizations sort of gamify the, the risk adjustment system, they're doing that in, in a way that allows, you know, more funding, which, which allows them to offer additional benefits and drive growth within their, their managed populations. But at the end of the day, all of that growth and all of those additional benefits are being subsidized by the taxpayer. There's something even going on now. And when we publish this show, it may be a settled issue, but there's discussion now in Congress to expand Medicare benefits to include dental and some other issues. And there is a campaign against this, which turns out to be driven a lot by Medicare Advantage payers who don't want to see a traditional Medicare offer some of the benefits of MA you know, they would obviously stand to lose some business. Have you been following this campaign? Yeah, so I have been following it closely and it makes sense. The, the MA organizations want to maintain their competitive advantage. And, and one of the, the big competitive advantages they have is 
offering these supplemental benefits that, that, that traditional Medicare does not cover. So if Medicare were, were to move in the, the direction of looking more like MA, it's likely that, that at least to some degree, the growth in Medicare Advantage would come down. Now, Mike, how long have you been at Allidade? So I have been at Allidade for just under a year now. What's, what's most surprised you about working on, on Medicare Advantage from the point of view of a company like Allidade? So I'll mention two things that strike me in, in my time here at Allidade. Number one is our success at scale. So we are not an organization that solely focuses on MA. Yet we have over 100,000 MA lives under management, and we are extremely successful in our MA contracts. The second piece is that we're not only successful in MA, that we are, you know, we are successful in our traditional fee-for-service Medicare business. We are successful in MA, we are successful in commercial, and we are successful in, in Medicaid. And I think that that is a testament to the fact that Allidade focuses on doing what's good for the patients and good for the providers. We don't, like some fellow travelers may, focus purely on MA and, and risk adjustment. We're not playing a game to just increase revenue, which would make us more successful in MA, but then would show up when we're not successful in commercial and, and Medicaid. The fact that we're successful across the board in all of our lines of business, I think demonstrates that we're doing the right thing here. We're actually focusing on, on lowering costs and improving the health of the patients we partner with our independent primary care physicians on managing. You know, one of the things that Allidade found relatively early on is that when we were just working with a subset of a physician's population and asking them to change their work, it was much harder to do that when that population was 15, 20% of their patient panel. But we found that if we can help with patients who have different insurers, essentially, if we could get all of those patients into Allidade contracts, it's much easier to get a physician to perform certain tasks if they don't have to think about who to do it for. So I imagine that's, that's part of it as well. Oh, absolutely. In a, in a former life, I ran some independent primary care practices. And the running joke was that we couldn't keep straight who went to LabCorp and who went to Quest. So, you know, managing different populations differently becomes very logistically challenging when, when you're talking about an independent primary care practice. Now, obviously, every, every patient is unique. And subpopulations are always going to have nuances, but the, the way you operationalize medicine is, is largely consistent across your practice. So as we're able to grow our, what we call share of wallet or, or percentage of patients in the practice that we have under contract and keep the providers focused on those core strategies of of knowing who needs to be brought in and knowing who needs to be engaged because they've gone through a transition of care episode across as much of their patient population as possible allows us to be more successful and allows our providers to be more successful. Well, Mike Stanzioni, Allidade's Director of Medicare, thanks for joining the show. Thanks, Josh. It was a pleasure. This episode of the ACO Show was produced by Leanne Priede. 
Our theme music is by Donna Korn. You can find previous episodes on our website, Alliday.com, or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.